0: okay trump indictment what comes next on my touch they're live right now check it out jamie raskin hi jamie bless her heart so that they
1: wouldn't come out and influence the election and uh, the day has
2: arrived yeah trump has been criminally indicted a manhattan grand jury voted to criminally indict Donald Trump this week. How did it go down? What has the response been? And what happens next? We will break it down here on Legal AF. Also on Friday, a major ruling was handed down in Dominion's billion dollar defamation lawsuit against Fox, which is set to go to trial in the next few weeks. A devastating Mm -hmm. for Fox a great ruling nah. on truth. We will break that down here as well. So Welcome to Legal AF. No time for a long introduction because we've got a lot to discuss about this. I'm joined by my co hosts, Karen Friedman Agnifilo and Michael Popak. Welcome both. Um, <laughs> Popak, first, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Today
3: was the day I got to wear my 3D glasses. We've got so much to cover and so many layers. Yeah. Trista cover here just I want to just throw it out here this way we're going to talk about how Alvin Bragg not only figured out how to split the atom but also how to conduct cold fusion i'll explain later we've got a judge in delaware who's completely stripped to uh, fox and fox corporation and fox news of basically all of their defenses and have only left basically two issues left for a jury to decide all ag-
4: should take him into custody. Question mark.
3: It's Fox. We'll talk about that
2: in the second segment.
0: Yeah, we're going to pull that just as... Criminally
2: next. indicted. A Manhattan grand jury voted to criminally indict Donald Trump this week. How did it go down? What has the response been? How Alvin Bragg oh, not only Tristan, figured out how to doing, split the atom... Jury ...voted to criminally indict Donald Trump this week. How did it go down? What has the yeah. response been? And what happens next? These are we will great break it down days here on Legal AF. Also, on, on Friday, this. a major ruling was handed down in Dominion's billion dollar yeah. defamation lawsuit against Fox, which is set to go to trial in the next few weeks. A devastating order for Fox, a great yeah. ruling for truth we will break that down yeah, here as well. Yeah, Welcome yeah. to Legal AF. No time for a long introduction because we've got a lot to discuss about this historic yeah. week. I'm joined by my chit-chat. co-host Aaron Friedman Agnipolo no and Michael Popak. Welcome both. Yeah. Popak first, how are
3: you doing? I'm doing great. Today was the day I got to wear my 3D glasses. We've got so much to cover and so many layers to cover here. Just, I want to just throw it out here this way. We're going to talk about how Alvin Bragg not only figured out how to split the atom, but also how to conduct cold fusion. I'll explain later. We've got a judge in Delaware who's completely stripped Fox and Fox Corporation and Fox News, have basically all of their defenses and have only left basically two issues left for a jury to decide all against Fox. We'll talk about that in the second segment.
2: We're excited to break that down. But first, let's talk about what happened in Manhattan this week. Karen Friedman Agnifilo, uh, you worked at that Manhattan district attorney's office for basically 30 years. You rose to the position of basically the number two at the entire office there. And uh, there are many times where you actually mm-hmm. served as the acting Manhattan district attorney. So it'd be fair to say that you know that office better than essentially anybody on this planet. So I wanna get your take. First, can you break down what happened this week? What does it mean and what happens next?
1: Sure, so just to be accurate, cause you know, accuracy matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did leave in in the middle of my time there for three years to work for the mayor of New York City, Mike Bloomberg. So it wasn't exactly thirty years. So I just wanted to, wow. um, I didn't know that, just to clear that up. So, uh, but what what happened was, um was the Manhattan DA's office, uh, we are told. And we saw an order now indicted Donald Trump for his first election interference case, the Stormy Daniels Hush Money Payment case. And the reason we know about it is because he applied to uh, Judge Juan Mershon, who's the judge in this case, for a limited, Alvin Bragg applied for a limited unsealing order, because normally an uh, an indictment in a case like this, because it uh, it is an indictment that's happened before an arrest, that indictment is sealed. And so because it is sealed, normally we wouldn't know about it, but sometimes in a case that has extreme amount of uh, press interest and public interest and one where we know the defendant already knows about it, as Donald Trump does, because we would have to tell him to surrender. Sometimes the DA's office would apply for what's called a a limited unsealing order, just to be able to say that uh, there has been an indictment. And that's exactly what they did here. And the case, we don't know a lot about it yet. We don't know what the charges are exactly. We don't know what the evidence and the proof is exactly. And that's because the grand jury process is a secret proceeding by law. And so, but we can uh, glean a few things and get us a few things based on, on what we believe is going on. And so what we think is, and what we've heard, that has been reported is that there's 34 counts in the indictment, again, we don't know, but uh, I, I expect that you will see several charges related to each payment that was made from Donald Trump to oh Michael Cohen gosh. to reimburse him for the hush money payment as well as pay him for his services. So what what the facts of the case are just very briefly, right before the election, uh, Stormy Daniels came forward and wanted to sell her story that she had a very brief 90 second affair or relationship with Donald Trump <laughs> and he was becoming president or I should say running for president for president and uh and he and Donald Trump second. was in a conspiracy with David <laughs> Pecker who was the owner of no or the yeah, the owner <laughs> of the National Enquirer.
0: To and they Pecker.
1: conspired together to catch and kill <laughs> stories so that they wouldn't come out and influence the election. And he used his fixer at the time, Michael Cohen, to do this. So they did it with two different people, Karen McDougall and Stormy Daniels around the time of the election. And so what we would, ex- and, and the way it was done was, was uh, Pecker didn't want to actually pay the money. I think he realized that it would be illegal. And so he said to Michael Cohen, you do it, and you arrange it. And Michael Cohen had to take out a home equity loan and, and paid the $130,000 to Stormy Daniels. And Donald Trump then had to pay him back. And the way he did it was he structured the payments over time. I think it was 11 different payments. and and. He paid him back plus a fee for, uh, his, for, for helping him commit a crime. And, and each one of those payments would have uh, a check that was written, an invoice that was sent by Michael Cohen, a fake invoice saying that it was for legal services when it wasn't and uh, a business record entry where it was written that it was for a legal retainer in the Trump Organization records. And so I think it's possible, although I don't know because I haven't seen it, it's possible you could see a different charge, a different falsifying a business <laughs> record charge, one se- Penal Law 175.10, uh, which is a, a felony. You could see a charge for each of those three things related to each payment that would get you to 33. And then what's the other charge? I think it's possible there will be a conspiracy charge. And the reason I think it's possible there'll be a conspiracy charge is otherwise, there was no conspiracy charge and there was just falsifying business record charge. All you would see on the indictment is honor about X date, the defendant in the county and state of New York um, committed Falsified. falsifying a business record in the first degree by writing check number one, two, three, four, five. I mean, that's literally what an indictment says and, um, and maybe has one other, you know, set, by writing check one, two, three, four, five, and indicating that it was for a legal payment when it was not or something. It's like very brief uh, what an indictment language is, unless you charge a conspiracy. And if you charge conspiracy, it's all about the agreement between the criminal agreement between two or more people. It talks about what the purpose of the agreement was, what they wanted to um, accomplish, and then you have to prove overt acts in the conspiracy, and the overt acts are actions that you take in order to complete the conspiracy. So for example, if um, Popok and I said we were going to rob a bank together, and we were talking about it, and we both agreed, okay, we're going to rob a bank together, but we don't do anything about it, then It's not a crime. It's not a conspiracy. Karen,
3: don't reveal our pre-show
1: discussions. (laughs) So, but it's, it's literally, it's not a crime because all we did was just talk about it and agree unless we commit some overt act to do it, then it doesn't count yet. So you have to do something like we say to Ben, Ben, can we borrow your car and, you know will you be the getaway driver for us when we when we rob that bank and if ben says yes and drives the car over that's an overt act that's something that was done even if you don't ever go and rob the bank it doesn't matter we conspired to go do it and we took a step forward doing it so you have to have an overt act and What I bet they will do if they do charge conspiracy is they will have many overt acts and it'll include all of the various discussions that were had between people about catching and killing stories, about influencing the election, about, for example, an overt act could be the tape that um, Michael Cohen had uh, with Donald Trump regarding the Karen McDougal payment, which was a different hush money payment about a ten month affair that they had before he even met Melania and so if I were them I would want that evidence in the uh, in in my case I apologize for the noise but my dog had surgery and he has to be uh, with a cone around his neck and on a leash and so he's not happy about it and He is moving around. There he is. You all know Boogie. He has been on this podcast before. So he is not happy. So that's what that noise is. And I apologize. Um, Anyway. So, so the, um, so so if I were the prosecutor in this case, I would want the evidence of uh, Karen McDougall in this particular case because the defense saying, oh, this was just about, I, I didn't want to embarrass Melania. This had nothing to do with the election. The reason that has a little bit of, legs it's not going to prevail but the reason why it's going to um, have some legs and be a little bit of a defense is because he was having he was cheating on Melania she had just given birth to their son Baron I think a couple of months earlier and he's out cheating on her with a porn star and so he can make an argument that see this was just about saving Melania although I'm not really sure Melania would check out the books and records of the Trump organization, but that's his defense. Karen McDougall, you can't really make that same argument. That was an affair that happened in, I think, 2006 before he even was married to Melania. So he wasn't cheating on her. So why was he paying her off, right? It wasn't to save Melania. It's because he wanted to throw the election. And so I would want that evidence in there. I think it's important. And that comes in in a conspiracy but it might not come in otherwise because it's an it could be an uncharged act unless it's charged unless the, the for all we know in this indictment they also charged those crimes as well we just don't know but this is this is what we expect to see
2: you know and uh, of course this week led off with that testimony of david pecker right the former ceo of the national oh, Enquirer. Really? <laughs> And when well, you think about say, that payment
0: that made by the
2: National Enquirer to Karen McDougal, this other individual Donald Trump had a <laughs> sexual encounter uh, with, leading up to the 2016 election, a payment of $150,000 made, right? That's not disclosed as a campaign contribution. Why else were they paying the money to help Donald Trump because... They thought, if we get this guy elected, that's going to be good for our company. That's a good look for the National Enquirer. That's good for our business. And then, to your point, Karen, at some point, someone probably said to them, you know what? That was problematic. You just likely violated campaign finance laws. And so when they were going to do it again with Stormy Daniels, they just said, "Uh uh-uh, we can't do it. Cohen, you got to do it with... Uh, Trump and figure it out on your own this time, and then they did it with Stormy Daniels again, you know, furthering that overall conspiracy. And so, Michael Popak, I want to turn it to you. What was your immediate reaction to this indictment, Um, as well as what are we learning? We know about the judge that's now been assigned uh, to this case. Um, We know Donald Trump's reaction to that. We've seen the reaction of uh, Trump's followers. Uh, sadly predictable. Um, What have you made of all of that? Let me start with the comment about why um, this is my
3: um, split the atom and cold fusion. Let me explain. It looks like Alvin Bragg and his team of prosecutors figured out how to split the atom. and What I mean by that is they figured out if we're right about the 34 counts and we're right that it goes to the broader catch and kill program designed by David Becker for a National Fire to benefit Donald Trump, who was in on that conspiracy in which David Pecker met with Michael Cohen, likely Kellyanne Conway, maybe Hope Hicks, but definitely Kellyanne Conway, to devise the scheme and then use Susan McDougall. We keep calling it the Stormy Daniels investigation shorthand. This may be on Tuesday when the indictment is revealed. This may be the catch and kill which solves a multitude of problems. One, it, it creates that conspiracy that Karen just eloquently outlined, with Donald Trump at the center, with David Pecker as a co-conspirator, unindicted. Flush him. He was given a to justify.
0: Send him he to Rikers Island.
3: But, so an unindicted co-conspirator number one, David Pecker. Unindicted co-conspirator number two, Michael Cohen. Unindicted co-conspirator number three, Kellyanne Conway. And then indicted as co-conspirator, Donald Trump. The reporting is, and this is from your fellow podcast host, Ben, is that the reason that Michael, that uh, uh, David Pecker,
4: paid
0: exclamation point he can have his accountant.
3: Susan McDougall directly,
0: uh, the $150,000, the reason he didn't pay
3: awesome. the second time for Stormy Daniels is because, according to Michael Cohen's memoir, um, he got a David and didn't pay him, and therefore he didn't want to make the second payment. And it went through. Uh, he, I said, "Susan, McDougall. I'm sorry. Uh, Wait, Karen McDougall. Every time I said Susan McDougall just put in Karen McDougall <laughs> But 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 the reason this may be the captain skill, which solves a multitude of problems. One. It's, it creates that conspiracy that just eloquently outlined, with Donald Trump at the center of David and the state of as a co conspirator, unindicted, was given immunity to here and in the federal court. But still, an unindicted co conspirator, number one, David Tucker, unindicted co conspirator, number two, Michael Cohen. unindicted co conspirator, number three, Kellyanne Conway, and then indicted co conspirator, Donald Trump. The reporting is, and this is from your fellow podcast host, is that the reason that Michael, that uh, uh, David Pecker paid Susan McDougall directly uh, the $150,000, this is a testimony, and the reason he didn't pay the second time for Stormy Daniels is because, according to Michael Cohen's memoir, um, Donald Trump's stiff David Pecker. <laughs> And didn't want to make the payment, <laughs> and it went through. I keep I said Susan McDougal. I'm sorry. Thanks, guys, catching it. It's Karen. every time I said Susan McDougal, just put Karen it. <laughs> but, but, but the reason it was because
0: Donald Trump <laughs> <laughs> <things>,
3: I'm not making the second payment. You do it, and that's how Michael Cohen got it. If Michael Cohen's testimony, if what, what he said in his memoir is what he said in the grand jury, that's what he told the grand jury. So you have. That's the rationale. That's the split the atom. That solves a Michael Cohen problem. To also, get fucking people Cohen over all their life. With the Karen McDougal payment. shows the catch and kill program. He was involved with the second level payment, the repayment that was made to Stormy Daniels. All those that said, don't put all your eggs in Michael Cohen's basket because he's got credibility problems. This split the atom because he's, he's now making it, Alvin Bragg and his team, is making it about the broader catch and kill. As the confusion, how to decide we that, we're going to see it when we see the 34 counts. That's a hell of a lot of counts.
0: Even if you the 11
3: or so structured payments that we think were made um, back to Michael Cohen to repay him for going on his home equity line, and then getting additional bonuses and a gross-up payment so he didn't have to get hit with income tax um, by having that money come into the law firm. Had a, had a, had a, Trump to so that it wouldn't it, it wouldn't hurt Michael Cohen, that's maybe half of the thirty four. The other thirty the other half or so must be related, I would think, with my prediction to Karen McDougal and the conspiracy claims, maybe the civil RICO claims around the co-conspirator, and then the second the second um, crime, which doesn't have to be charged, just to be clear. In New York, here we say two wrongs don't make a right. Well, two misdemeanors make a felony. So if you got a misdemeanor, books and records fraud, and you combine it with a second thing, even if it's a misdemeanor, even if it's statute of limitations barred, even if they couldn't indict and won't indict on it, if it's in furtherance of another crime, then they've got jackpot, they've got big felony, which we're expecting that most, if not all, the 34 counts are going to be felony. So we have we have that then moving to Trump world for a moment. Um, and this four day gap between the time that, that the uh, the uh, Manhattan DA wanted Donald Trump to surrender, which was yesterday, Friday, right off the indictment. Not Tuesday. Not Donald Trump's Trump playing games and claiming that the Secret Service needed more time to arrange the surrender. That's not true. <laughs> but it was a four-day weekend to regroup and recalibrate with his defense team. Most of which, according to reporting thought that there wasn't going to be an indictment and we're off to their spring break. Karen and I talked huh. a lot about the, the, the break in the action in the grand jury, which Karen accurately predicted was not, didn't mean they weren't going to indict on Thursday. Um, but so they had a regroup and they had to get Joe Takapina and Joe Takapina's partner, Chad Siegel and Susan Necklace, who's really the lead trial lawyer, down to Mar-a-Lago to get into a war room. And then, and then next to the war room, of course, is the drifting room. Where Donald Trump devises with people like Miller, you know, Stephen Miller, how to raise $4, $5, $8 million a day. So the reason Donald Trump didn't want to go in on Friday is that it was, you know, 30 or $40 million too soon because he, he wanted to continue to raise money on the backs of his indictment. You'll see the mugshot that it will be taken, it'll probably be released by Donald Trump in terms of, uh, you know, in order to raise uh, more money. Leak. Leak. So-called leak. I want to, I want to turn it to Karen in a minute after I talk about uh, Juan Mershon, who's the the judge that's handling this. This was assigned, and we kind of got speculation because we saw that Judge Mershon was heading in to his chambers, into court, on Thursday as well. And, and there was already reporting as early as January that, even on Fox, that if there was an indictment, it would be assigned to Juan Mershon. So it wasn't going to be a random assignment. That's the judge that presided in December uh, over the 17-count conviction led by the same Manhattan DA's office against two major Trump organization entities for tax fraud. That's the Alan Weisselberg issue, uh, having his, the CFO having testified and then been whisked off to Rikers Island for what's coming up on his fifth month. As to uh, that's Judge Mershon. Now Trump hates Mershon because he ruled really harshly against. Uh, Trump uh, lawyers, when they were trying to prepare and they wanted to delay, 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 he was having none of it. He pushed um, Weisselberg very hard, even made comments when the sentence was only five months. He felt his hands were a little bit tied by the prosecutor. He thought this guy deserved more and said it aloud. So this is not a friendly Trump guy. And Trump's already started to attack him. that's actually an old picture of Michelle. Michelle is now almost completely gray. Uh, I'm getting there Donald Trump is getting indicted. So now that we've kind of given an overview of where we are with what we expect the indictment to look like, let's take advantage of having Karen on the show with us today. And, Karen, why don't we move it forward and talk about what happens next? You know, now that we know what's happened, we, as we said on Wednesday show, you know what happened. What happens next? I can't think of anybody better to do that than you. <laughs>
2: And before doing that, let's just take a quick break. Then back to Karen Freeman and Nipolo, and what happens next.
3: This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Especially if it's a wild ride, filled with my own personal self-realizations and growth. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and
1: understanding. Logistics. to of uh, the other cases in the build, you get all the paper. The DA's office wanted. And they're going to clear most. They're looking at how
3: to set boundaries. Over time, I've truly learned to become the best version of me. And look,
1: what typically happens in these surrenders is you make the arrangement to surrender in the morning, and then the arraignment is in the afternoon because that way uh, you get all the paperwork done and then you go to court. And so. So uh they are apparently the Manhattan DA's office wanted to do it on Friday, but Trump wasn't ready. So he's doing it on Tuesday if he voluntarily surrenders the way uh he will. I still wonder whether he will um fake pretend that he's trying to surrender but his, his mar-a-lago people weren't allowing him to and, and ron DeSantis said he won't extradite him but let's assume he's going to actually surrender so right now law enforcement is uh, working on logistics to get him into the building he will go to the manhattan da's office he will uh, be brought in with his secret service detail he will not leave his side the entire time since he's under their guard he will be brought into a Place where he is processed, um, they will fingerprint him. They may or may not photograph him, uh, believe it or not, because <laughs> I can imagine a scenario where law enforcement is considering the whether that's necessary. You know, the whole reason you would photograph someone is in case they flee to another country, you need a photograph of them to <laughs> find them. We obviously know what he looks like, and um, and so and it's hard to to keep shot a mugshot. Uh, it's hard to keep it um, not leaking out. And can you imagine what Donald Trump would do with that photograph? Uh, he probably, as, as Alan Dershowitz said, use it as a campaign slogan. So I wonder whether law enforcement will actually will actually do it. But who knows? Let's see. So he could also be handcuffed again. I that's what normally happens. But I doubt that will happen here because he's under guard with the Secret Service anyway. So I don't know if all the normal things that normally happen will happen. The one thing I can guarantee they will do is fingerprinting. And those fingerprints will be then uploaded into a database that then generates a rap sheet and a New York State ID number or a NYCID number. Just like every person who's sitting in Rikers Island, including Alan Weisselberg has. Anybody who's ever been arrested has a NYCID number and a rap sheet, and Donald Trump will have one of those. Then he will be brought to court where he will be, where we will, that morning, the DA's office will go and ask for an unsealing order. To unseal the entire indictment and we will see the charges i anticipate before the arraignment on tuesday then he will be brought into court in judge mershon's courtroom uh where he will they will figure out a way to get him there where it's not necessarily through the hall with the regular hallways i am told that the other court matters that are going on all the other trials etc are all stopping at lunch and so at 2 15 there will really be nobody up there except um except the necessary people and then some press who will be outside the courtroom and will capture him going in it would be it's discretionary whether uh, a judge can allow cameras in the courtroom um, we'll see what judge mershon allows that's a sketch right there of a, a sketch artist will definitely be allowed in so we will see sketches of the proceeding yeah. for sure whether or not we see photographs or um, or whether we see a, one video's feed will be up to the discretion of the court. So I don't know what the answer will be. I'm trying to get a seat in the courtroom.
2: Uh, I, I
1: usually would have no problem getting in. And let's see if I can. Because of Secret Service, it is kind of an issue. But I, I have all the feelers out. I've asked all the right people. And so hopefully I can I can get in there. But so the next thing that happens is he will be arraigned. He'll be told what the charges are, and then he will probably plead not guilty. Um, I'm sure he will plead not guilty. And then the case will be adjourned um, for a for motion practice, and and it'll proceed like every other case. And that's it. He will not be bail will not be set because this is not a bail eligible crime. If he continues to Attack the judge as he's been doing. Um, the judge could impose other sanctions on him, like gag order, talking about this case. I could, and and we'll see about that. So this is a judge. Judge Mershon is is a is a judge's judge. He's he's very no nonsense, and he calls balls and strikes. He's not a pro prosecutor or pro defense judge. He's not one that more than necessary he's, he he um, he's just a great judge and he can control his courtroom so we'll see what he does to to Donald Trump that'll be interesting to watch so Karen the process
2: that's going to take place is called an arraignment you said then he's going to get arraigned can you just paint that picture and I'm not going to ask you to actually paint the actual court sketch but can you paint the picture for our audience just of to- what that actually means. Does the judge read the charges? Can the person waive a reading of charges like that happens in California? Um, Does the judge have to go through each and every charge and does Trump have to say guilty or not guilty to each and every charge? And then after that takes place in the courtroom, then what happens? Does it, it then just go through the normal procedure? Is there a right to a speedy trial? Can you waive that right? What's the time frame that we look for after this arraignment? So let's first start with what's the arraignment?
1: So the arraignment is the process by which you inform someone of the charges. And this is called the Supreme Court arraignment because the trial court in New York is called the Supreme Court, believe it or not. And so this is his Supreme Court arraignment where he will be informed of the charges and the indictments. So you'll have a judge, a court reporter. You'll have two tables, one with a bunch of prosecutors, one with the defendant, who is Donald Trump. He will now be called the defendant. Um, and and he will, he will be at the table with his lawyers. And the judge will um, basically say to him, uh, you know, Mr. Trump, you have been charged with, under indictment number 12345 uh, with 34 counts of X, Y, and Z. Um, do you waive? And then, and then the defense attorney usually waives the reading um, of the charges, but not the rights thereunder, is what they normally say. But you might not waive it. He might insist on. The judge doing it the way, you know, where you have to read all the charges, but typically they waive it like they do in California. And then they officially ask him, How do you plead? Please enter a plea. Do you plead guilty or not guilty? And usually um, they plead not guilty. And normally he would not say another word, right? Because you've got a court reporter taking it all down. Normally, the lawyer speaks, and you never hear his voice other than his plea. Um, we'll see, because it's Donald Trump, what he may or may not say. And uh, But really, the arraignment is an opportunity to do a couple of things. Number one, you inform him of the charges that he's being charged with. Number two, it's where you where bail conditions are set, if there would be any bail. But here, because it's not a bail-eligible offense, there will not be any conditions it is any notices that the prosecutor w- wants to or to needs jail? to file on a case so there are certain legal notices that not? you have to file like are there any statements that you intend to use uh, against the defendant at trial if that's the case if there are any statements that you have made the prosecutor has to serve notice of those statements within 15 days of the arraignment. Normally, they just serve them at arraignment. So we will know: are there any statements that he has made? Whether it was in the course of the, um, they the really statements. They're the statements that are made um, during. If if you are in custody, is is those statements? So you have to um, um, be—it's custodial interrogation. That's the; those are the types of statements. But trust that that you have to serve notice because those are the ones that um, are required under this under this notice. Um, However, there might be other statements that they might serve notice of. Where he wasn't in custody, that they might that they want to use, like statements that he made about the case previously. So we might hear of any of those statements that they to use. The other types of notices um, probably don't, you know, definitely don't apply here. So um, I'm not sure you'll hear of any other notices. And and the the prosecutor also likely serve I think in this case they will do that so that they're, because the prosecutor is banned. jury is, is very much really closed um you don't really get to see what happens there in the state a defendant can challenge uh, the sufficiency of the jury evidence so he'll also so he'll probably make motions about, uh, about whether or not the whether or not um the bump up, so the falsifying of business records the way Popov was saying you have to have committed another crime to make it a felony Um, he's going to challenge whether the crimes that were presented to the grand jury are ones that can be relied upon, like a federal election charge. Um, So he'll make all kinds of challenges like that, and that'll all happen during a reasonable motion practice period, and then the prosecutor will respond to the motion, and then the judge will decide. So, So that's what will happen next.
2: Popak, I want to give you the final word on this uh, historic week when we're talking about uh, this criminal indictment, Popak.
3: I've seen all of the social commentary, mainly by the right-wing MAGA, about what a sad day it is in criminal justice <laughs> in the history of criminal justice for this <laughs> it, to happen. <laughs> There's one person that is to blame for this in a series of what we expect to be indictments over the next several months and that is Donald Trump. Donald Trump was a grifter and a fraudster and a scam artist dating back to his time working next to his father, Fred Trump, all the way through his running of casinos, running them into the ground in Atlantic City, running away, running away, to his celebrity apprentice, to the grifting um, and the fundraising that he did around that, even before he decided to... To enter office, he was not qualified for the President of the United States, but he, you know, he was on a, he was on a stage with 16 other people that weren't, that nobody knew, and so he ended up becoming the President of the United States. And then he established the same kleptocracy in the Oval Office in the, in the West Wing as he had in business his entire life. And now all of these things, they are, they are his fault. Okay, so the MAGA Republicans are like, oh my God, the orange being indicted for something that happened in 2006. It's a third storm, but Donald Trump's conduct and behavior that a grand jury, independent grand jury of 23 people in New York, have decided is a crime. That it's not in the right order that we don't that we would all like. You know, we'd like Jack Smiths to go first with the, the interference of the election, and the and Jan 6th, and, and the Mar-a-Lago, maybe, and maybe Fawny Willis for the Georgia election, and the, and the quote-unquote perfect phone call, but justice comes as justice comes, and we can't order it, and we can't sequence it. But it doesn't mean he should be let off the hook because the smaller of the three crimes, if we're ranking them, is the one that got out of the chute first. He's going to be held accountable. If we've learned anything from Thursday, and the way Alvin Bragg... Much maligned, but now will be a historic hero for doing this, for coming out of the buck for getting right on the facts and bringing this case. Because the buck stops with that prosecutor. It, it it is the case that was ready now. <laughs> Other cases will be ready Get in nailed. their own time. At the <laughs> end, when look back in history, looks back at this, period, in a book, maybe not in Florida, like but everywhere else that describes the history of America. They will say that at the end of 2024, Donald Trump was indicted several times related to conduct both in the office in the waning days and outside the office before he got in. The delay being he was in office so he couldn't be sued, but that he was brought to justice. That's I believe the chapters in the the pages in the chapters of those books are going to read, notwithstanding all of the. Social media backbiting and handwringing that's going on now, mainly by by the Republicans and MAGA.
2: And that's a great point because the only people who are politicizing this are the MAGA Republicans, are Donald Trump's followers who are saying that because of Donald Trump's. leadership of this new MAGA Republican Party, that he's above the law. Notice, none of them are saying he's innocent, right? There's, I haven't seen the argument, he didn't pay hush money payments, and he didn't falsify business records. Their argument is always, New York has a lot of crime, and they lie about it. Crime's down in New York. But, but that's the argument that they pursue. They're the ones who are Politicizing something, um, and they are the ones who are not focused on the rule of law. And you make a great point there, Popak, as well, because while this is a Class E felony, this current case where uh, Donald Trump has been criminally indicted, so the jail time, I think, at most would be about four years. Uh, Potentially, you know, when you're when you're at sentencing, you know, likely would be less, but it is something that he can serve, you know, jail time for. This doesn't mean that Alvin Bragg has given up the case where he's uh, still invested. And he said it. He's still investigating the financial fraud and Trump's tax evasion and the bigger case. He's just taken a step-by-step approach. Step one, Trump organization. Step two, falsifying business records. And he's still investigating the other crimes. And of course, we have special counsel Jack Smith investigating. Uh, With two grand juries in federal court in Washington, D.C., Trump's election interference, Trump's obstruction of justice and theft of government records. Of course, we have Fawny Willis, the district attorney in Fulton County, who will be presenting before a grand jury there. You've got the E. Jean Carroll uh, civil rape and defamation trial.
0: All these motherfuckers disqualified under 14th Amendment.
2: ...set to take place on April 25th. You've got the New York Attorney General Letitia James case... Uh, The civil fraud case set to go to trial October 2nd of 2023, where the New York Attorney General is seeking at least $250 million in damages and likely in the billions of dollars.
0: to stop doing that dollars
2: in damages against donald trump the trump organization and trump's adult children and an injunction which would basically stop them from doing business in new york and Katie Johnson? the trump organization and so the judge there judge arthur and goran who tra- also attacks the same way he's attacking judge Juan Merchan the same way he's attacking judge David Carter the same way he attacks all the judges but judge Arthur Engoron <clears throat> uh, in New York in the New York Attorney General petition James case said come hell or high water It shall be etched in stone. I am not moving the trial date from October 2nd, 2023, despite Trump's attempt to delay, delay, delay. And speaking about billion dollar cases, Dominion's $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox is set to go to trial in the next few weeks. And there was a massive ruling uh, that just took place in Delaware Superior Court where this uh, case is before Uh, where the judge made a ruling that spells doom for Fox and was a great ruling for Dominion.
4: Mm-mm. <clears throat>
0: Right. So I'm posting on my Trista for underscore POTUS 2024 and Trista Artista back in black. Hmm.
5: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Making me high. Let's see. Uh, these people are paying for his legal fees. Yep. Exactly. We're paying for his shit. His Russian, Russia, Russia, Russia collusion. taxpayers paid for that Kids who are 16 today will be eligible to vote in 2024, so get them involved now. Yeah. I'm a human rights consultant. Online course offered by uh, award-winning experts, civil rights training, wow, that sounds cool. Yeah. To the 1%, which, uh, uh, Robert Reich, Robert Reich Reich Reich. That's why, man.
5: Not
0: necessarily. Okay, so oh Trista, what the fuck are you doing, man? Let's get back to this awesome live, Midas Touch. Love you. Oh shit, where'd you go?
2: Hi everyone, Mark Barden here at Sandy Hook Promise. Hi. On December fourteenth, two thousand twelve. Big, big, big ruling, Um, and you know, and and one other point I'll make and throw it back to you, Popok, just to finish out this topic, and then I want to hear from Karen just about this historic week in general. But I think, look, this isn't the only case, defamation case that 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 Fox is involved with, right? Smartmatic, uh, another company uh, that Fox spread these conspiracies about, they've sued for. $2 billion. And trust me, all of the judges are seeing these rulings, right? And I think Smartmatic is also, uh, at least for the ability to say, for its persuasive authority, tell the judge in its cases, and other people who have sued Fox will tell the judges in their cases, take a look at what this finding was. There was a finding that Fox was publishing? False information. False information. Popak, finish out this document yeah, I think we've, we've, um, we've hit it exactly right,
3: just as a practitioner, like Ben, you and me and Sharon. They had a choice, folks. When they got faced with the Dominion summary judgment, which you and I combed through methodically to pick out the hundreds and hundreds of emails and texts that they included to support in an appendix, a Dominion summary judgment, I thought at the time, all right, well, Fox will, which is what I would do in this situation, they will try to defeat the summary judgment based on the way you framed it then by arguing that there are material issues of fact in dispute. So in dispute that only the trier of fact, which in this case is the jury, can resolve it before applying the law, that is the standard for summary judgment. So when I'm faced with a summary judgment, I rarely, to be frank, it depends on the case, but I rarely bring a cross motion for summary judgment. Um, a because of the fear of what could happen here, I at least want to get to a trial. Um, I don't want to have a judge rip away, you know, or find, you know, cherry cherry two of the elements of a major, def, you know, claim against me before I even, you know, before I even got my, my shoes tied to go into the courtroom. Or have my defenses stripped away. So what I would probably do strategically is just throw a lot of competing emails and texts at the judge, if there are if there are any, and deposition testimony, because we know Rupert Murdoch got deposed a couple of times, Lachlan Murdoch, and executives that none of us had ever heard of before, but that are key people at Fox News and the Hannitys and Hero and Dobbs of the world, and said, judge, look. There are so many issues of material facts dispute about whether actual malice happened, what we knew, what we didn't know, what was communicated between these various uh, departments and at, uh, at divisions at, at between Fox News and Fox Corp. It's got to go to the jury. Let's go to the jury and we'll deal with it then. Then you've got an opening if, if you're able to defeat the summary judgment, if you can. You've got an opening. You're still in it as a defendant to try to negotiate a settlement or find an exit strategy or, you know, take your shot at court to try to convince a jury in Delaware, um, better than this one judge, who you know from prior rulings in the related Smartmatic case, is probably against you on all the First Amendment stuff. So I wouldn't have done it this way, but it's too late.